0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port, back in action. I was out yesterday. Uh, former Governor Ed Schaefer was kind enough to sit in for me. Um, I was out. We got a little bit of bad news on Friday. I had my um, my grandmother's sister. My grandmother passed away uh, a few years back. Um, my grandmother's sister, my, my great-aunt, uh, she passed away. I was very, very close to her. She was, you know, basically another grandmother to me. When when I first moved to North Dakota from Alaska, um, I was not as a as a ten year old. Um, I was not very happy about the move. I, I didn't want to leave my friends in Alaska. I didn't want to leave Alaska. Period. Um, North Dakota is a is a very different place from you know where I was. I had been raised to that point, and. It was an, it was an unhappy transition for me and my my aunt Doris my grandma Doris I guess as, as I called her was someone who was pretty special in, in helping me understand you know my family's history in this state and uh, you know she was she was a big person you know sort of a giant in my life. Um, she lived to be 97 years old um, and she you know passed away um, securing the knowledge that she was surrounded by You know, a a very large family that that loved her very much. So we should all be so lucky, Um, but still uh, a bittersweet moment. Um, It's nice to get together with family and celebrate her life, but it's also a loss and it's a little bit hard. So that's I spent yesterday sort of reflecting on that and not thinking a lot about politics. So I've been out of the loop a little bit. As such, uh, a little bit later in the program, I'll be uh, maybe talking a little bit about the women's march um, that happened over the weekend. I know a lot of people have weighed in on it. I, I have a couple of points I want to make about it. I'll I'll see what you listeners think of that. Uh, also, big news today, and we should be, uh, I believe we're going to be joined by Congressman Kevin Kramer here at some point. Uh, he had a committee hearing, but I certainly wanted to get him in on this. We had him on the show last week, and he predicted that this week the Trump administration would be issuing executive orders to uh, kick the lead out of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, we got not only that, but we also got progress on the Keystone XL Pipeline as well. Um, so that's big news. Those are two infrastructure projects that are very, very important to North Dakota. Uh, the Keystone XL Pipeline I would have, when completed, uh, roughly 100,000 hundred thousand barrels per day capacity for North Dakota crude. Um the Dakota Access Pipeline would have, you know, hundreds of thousands. I think it's like 450 – I haven't looked in a while. I think it's like 450,000 barrels per day of capacity uh, for the Dakota Access Pipeline, um, taking that oil out of North Dakota and bringing it to market. It's important for our industries in the state. Um, obviously, it's going to be a big deal for the protests, uh, particularly the Dakota Access Pipeline, although we're going to see, you know, the Keystone issue had sort of um, – died down a little bit because the Obama administration had had sort of, you know, finally said that they weren't ever going to issue an easement for that. Uh, the Trump administration, you know, basically inviting them to, to submit their permits again. You know, so that pipeline fight's going to heat up again. I, I've been reading, I've been getting bombarded by press releases all morning uh, from, you know, groups on both sides of the Dakota Access and the Keystone issue. Uh, I wanted to read this one. This is coming from the Indigenous Environmental Network. They're one of the left-wing extremist groups that have been participating in the dakota access protests um this is this is a quote this is from uh tom goldtooth Uh, he's i'm sure if you've been following the news articles about the dakota access pipeline he's been quoted wildly about it widely about it this is what he said um I quote, these actions by President Trump are insane and extreme and nothing short of attacks on our ancestral homelands as indigenous peoples. That, that's one statement from their press release. And I, I read that and I and th- that is so far disconnected, I think, from how most Americans, most North Dakotans, even frankly a lot of Native Americans view the pipeline issue i mean even even the standing rock tribe in recent weeks right earlier this month maybe it was last month i think it was last month just weeks ago the standing rock tribe itself was out saying you know we're not against all pipelines and we're not even necessarily against the dakota access pipeline we're just we just don't like this current route right so that's a very pragmatic position, and I don't agree with the tribe in their opposition to the current route. The current route's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But for these groups to carry on, like like Trump's taking some very extreme action, I mean, what, what could be extreme in a pipeline being approved after two years of regulatory review by the federal government, by state governments, and yes, even consultation with the tribes, although... They like to deny that didn't happen, but it did happen. What's extreme about that? I mean that that, that is a that is a process. It is a very rig- rigorous process. It was a very arduous process. And at the end of it, we build a pipeline. So I don't know. There's so much extremism about that. By the way, former Democratic U.S. House candidate Chase Iron Eyes You know, has been on Facebook lately. He's calling for war. I I kid you not. I got a post about it up at AnythingBlog.com. You can read the post for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. But the guy's calling for war. Calling for war. This is a guy. He was on the statewide ballot as the North Dakota Democratic Party's candidate for the United States House of Representatives. When he was on the campaign trail, I interviewed him on this program, Chase Iron Eyes, on this program and he told me that he wasn't necessarily took a very moderate position on the pipeline you know said he you know he wasn't necessarily against all pipelines and yada 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 and all of a sudden the campaign ends now he's down in that protest camp he's defying the standing rock sioux tribe which is telling the protesters to leave to clean up their camps and leave the area and he's down there saying you know defy the tribe come in you know we're gonna have war war is what he's calling for and it strikes me as completely irresponsible given how violent some of these conflicts between law enforcement and protesters have been so far. Right? We've had hundreds of arrests. We have lots of people injured. One woman, you know, basically lost her arm. Right? It's been violent so far. And he's down there calling for war? Pretty remarkable stuff. I, I am very, very happy, though that the Trump administration approved these projects Um, from the, from the viewpoint of, of, I mean, obviously I'm pro oil development and it's a very important industry for our state. So I'm, I'm for this stuff anyway, but I think there's a larger question here too, about the rule of law, which is that, you know, we create laws that create a process for building pipelines and under the, the Obama administration, because president Obama didn't like pipelines, And because he liked to pander to certain, you know, left wing groups and left wing causes would manipulate that legal process that was intended to produce safe, reliable energy infrastructure would manipulate that process to instead inhibit it. It was a fundamental perversion of the rule of law. And listen, I I, I got to tell you, say whatever else you want about Trump and some of these these fights he's picking over, you know, the the crowd size at his inauguration and you know uh, fraudulent votes and all this other stuff, I think are just silly. What he's doing, they're, they're stupid. Some of these p- fights he's picking, but none of that stuff is going to matter if Trump keeps doing stuff like this. Because I I, I think there was a huge cross section of American interests whether it's organized labor or industry or the business community or the agriculture or whatever, a big cross section of the American public that was just fed up of the games president Obama was playing. And if Trump's going to come in and cut through the Gordian knot of some of that bureaucracy and nonsense, he's going to reap a lot of political, a lot of political uh, accolades for it. Right? I mean, if this, if this is a preview of what's going to come, under the trump administration if we're going to get more of this all the petty fights he picks with the, the press corps and everything else none of that stuff's going to matter this is what people are going to care about and it's going to it's it's going to it's going to drown out the rest of it but who knows we're at the beginning there's a lot to come yet for trump 701 293 more to come straight ahead don't go away Welcome back. Rob Port here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email me, talk at WDAY.com. We're talking about Trump uh, approving the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, we were going to try to get him on. It's kind of a last minute thing, uh, trying to get him on. He had a committee hearing uh, right before the show and they weren't sure when it was going to get over. So we may have him on, we may not. Um, here, here's the other thing I'm wondering about. With the pipeline, because I on, on while, while I think there are a lot of people who are generally in favor of developing responsibly America's oil resources because we're all using oil and we have the oil. So we may as well use the oil. You know, that makes sense. And I, I think there's a lot of people out there who are compelled by that. I also think that under under the President Obama's actions with the Dakota Access Pipeline specifically. Created a lot of of resentment among people who don't really have much of a, a an opinion one way or the other about the pipeline or about oil development. You know, maybe they're, they're just sort of ambivalent about it or on the fence about it or whatever. I think President Obama pushed a lot of those people over to the pro-pipeline side, not just because of his sort of a very petulant, childish bureaucratic obstruction of the construction of the pipeline but also because he refused even as morton county burley county um you know and all the communities they in bismarck mandan you know all, all those little you know farming communities and, and and the people living out in in the rural areas even as they were being set upon by violent political extremists who had been called into their area to protest the pipeline. The Obama administration withheld law enforcement resources, right? The feds didn't help, wouldn't send anybody in, wouldn't do anything about the illegal camps on the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers land. Now, to me, the, the you know that's an area that's even apart from whatever opinions you might have about a pipeline, right? I mean, we can have the debate over the pipeline, I'm for it, you're against it, whatever, that's one debate. But another debate is, well, let's have that debate in a context where people aren't going to get hurt, right? Let's have that debate in a context where everybody's going to obey the rule of law, right? So, so not only do you have the Obama administration perverting the rule of law by obstructing the pipeline based on you know purely partisan political calculation, but you also have them creating a, an extremely dangerous situation for the people living in that area by letting these extremists run roughshod over federal land, right? I mean, they were allowed to basically use federal land as a launching pad for repeated attacks on state law enforcement officials and on, you know, communities in the Bismarck, Mandan, Morton County, Burleigh County area. Right. So so even people who don't care about the pipeline or even people who might even maybe think the pipeline's not such a great idea, they're put in a situation where their community is essentially being held hostage, is essentially being terrorized by protesters. And the Obama administration won't even take the step of saying, you know, Let's put some federal resources on the ground to help the state of North Dakota at least control the situation, right? At least stop the protesters from torching construction equipment or trespassing on people's property where they're not wanted or stop them from blocking highways. Couldn't even do that. I mean, I I don't, I don't care what your feelings are, and we can have honest disagreement over oil development and building pipelines and everything else, that's fine. But we should at least agree that we're going to keep people safe, that we're going to enforce the law and not let a violent mob take over a portion of the North Dakota countryside, right? I mean, Obama basically let North Dakota twist in the wind because that fit his political agenda. I wouldn't doubt if if that decision by President Obama didn't swing a lot of people into Trump's camp. You know, I'm not going to say it impacted the election. Maybe it did, right? I mean, there were probably a lot of people who said, you know, whatever else you want to say about Trump, yeah, he says some ugly things, the way he behaves himself turns me off, but at least if North Dakota's under attack, he'll probably send help. And, And by the way, that's something I haven't heard yet from the Trump administration. I hope that's true. I hope that in addition to president trump saying we're going to move ahead with this pipeline that he's also going to announce hey here's some federal resources to go along to help keep law and order with it and maybe the guy who's got that answer is on with me right now congressman kevin kramer uh kevin thanks for joining me
1: thanks for the opportunity rob Alongside,
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, alongside our president today uh, saying that we're going to move ahead with the Dakota Access Pipeline, I was reading the executive order. Give us some of the details. I mean, I, I, have we rescinded the EIS? I mean, what, what does this mean?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because as you and I read it, as, as non-attorney normal people, um, we read it and we read the language they consider to the extent permitted by law and as warranted and on and on. Um Basically what it does is it, it directs the Corps of Engineers, as in other federal agencies, but in the case of Dakota Access, specifically the Corps of Engineers, to um, basically to rescind the EIS or at least consider uh, the rescinding of the EIS and then the issuing of the easement. So, um, you know, it's pretty, to me it looks pretty cut and dry. He's simply telling his agency heads to get back to work and do what the law permits you to do, and we already know they know what that is because they've already, you know, they've had the drafted EOS, or the uh, drafted easement for a long time. They argued last week in the in the temporary restraining order hearing against the need for the temporary restraining order because the next administration could rescind the EIS. So that, that was the government's argument in um, opposing the temporary restraining order. So it, it's, I, I think it's pretty clear when you look at it in the entire legal context that he's simply
0: telling the of engineers, do what you always wanted to do and get this thing done. How, how soon does this, I mean, as, as a practical matter, how soon, and, and obviously there's another question of, you know, these, these groups are saying they're going to file lawsuits again. I'm sure they're going to sure. be requesting that judges enjoy mm-hmm. construction and everything else. All that aside, though, just as a practical matter from Trump issuing this executive order today, how soon could we expect Dakota Access to start drilling and, and get under that, that reservoir? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I don't know for sure, except to tell you I believe it's imminent, if not immediate. Uh, it, it would depend on whether the, the people at the core how quickly they can rescind the IS, how quickly they can issue the easement. I don't know why it would take long. They've already had the easement. They've had it for eight, ten months um, prepared. So I, I don't think it should take long. It could, it could be a matter of days, uh, but I don't know of that for sure. Um, you were, the other question that you were raising just before it came on, of course, is we've also asked for additional law enforcement resources, not just reimbursement for what has been spent by the state and local, uh, but also for new bodies that, uh, to show up, new boots on the ground, if you will, uh, federal police from the BIA to the U.S. Marshals and, and others um, to provide you know, provide an adequate force to ensure safety.
0: Well, do, do we have any any idea of what that – because I, I think there's a lot of people out there who maybe, for whatever reason, maybe they don't care about the pipeline or they don't care about oil development. We just don't want a, re, a repeat of the mess that happened this summer. Are we prepared yeah. for that? I mean, I, obviously, I, maybe that's a better question for state law enforcement. But, I mean, right. any, I mean what, what any specifics at this point about what federal resources may or may not be available for us?
1: Well, there are not. And the, part of the problem with that, of course, is that we don't – so far, we don't have an attorney general. So, as far as DOJ or Department of Justice resources, um, you know, that, that's, that's a little bit of a dilemma. Now, I can tell you, again, both Senator Hogan and I have been pounding on the White House, at, you know, asking for those resources, Now it's a separate matter, but obviously related. And so, uh, um, but we do, we do need those boots on the ground. And I think, uh, you know, a dozen or two dozen even EIA um, police officers have going an awfully long way on the uh, you know on the reservation side of the uh, of the uh, river, and then uh, whatever else we could get on uh, U- 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 U.S. Marshals, Park Police, or whomever would be would be very helpful. Every person that can provide a little relief is important, obviously, and just having a large enough force to detour you know bad criminal activity.
0: Uh, and, and last question, obviously there was another pipeline that President Trump uh, issued an executive order on the Keystone XL mm-hmm. pipeline, also an important piece of infrastructure for North Dakota. Uh, but that's a little bit different situation because, you know, obviously that one had been, uh, you know, withdrawn. And what, tell us, I mean, where's that at? What sort of progress yeah. can we see about that in it's, the coming it's, weeks?
1: It's very interesting because the, uh, the president and I both, we talked about both of these pipelines a fair bit uh, when I visited with him And one of the things about the Keystone, of course, is – the, the, um, the, the need for it is really determined by the developer, that is say, TransCanada. And TransCanada clearly still wants that pipeline. They'd like the existing route that the previously, you know, permitted or at least applied for route. Um, the interesting thing, the, the thing that's a little different is unlike the Dakota Access pipeline, pipeline, where the president instructs his agencies in this one, the president, the only thing missing really is the presidential permit, which is the discretion of the president after a full blown NEPA process and um, so the language in that in that uh, executive order was a little bit different and and i'm trying to understand it a little bit better myself but he was basically inviting he was reapply. basically inviting
0: tr- yeah trans candidates yeah. to issue another or submit another right. uh, request for a permit i guess so
1: right that, that's I, exactly
0: right i i i guess the ball's kind of in trans canada's uh, court on that and we'll find out and what I, they and do and they will
1: there's i have no doubt i've talked to them enough i see them enough um, and i've talked to president trump enough about to know that they will apply for it and permit and they because they want that pipeline built kevin thanks for your time always a pleasure thanks Robin.
0: congressman kevin kramer let's get some uh, news from eric johnson we'll be back right after this Seven zero one two nine three eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine don't go away Jack here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, you want to join in, 888 email talk at wday.com. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, we've been talking about the Dakota Access Pipeline, I want to talk a little bit about the, the Women's March uh, events, which happened not just in Washington, D.C., where they had a, a very huge crowd, large crowds here in multiple communities in North Dakota as well. Very well-attended event. Uh, But I had some thoughts on it. You know, over the weekend, like I I said at the beginning of the show, we had a a death in the family. So I was at a funeral, and I I was around a lot of family in in the last few days. And we had some conversations about, particularly with, with some of the smart, successful women that I am lucky enough to have in my life, you know, we had a, a conversation about the the women's march issue and it, it was it was interesting to hear what some of the women in my family had had to say about it. Um, I, you know, I, I I hazard these opinions at risk of being accused of not being allowed to have an opinion about this because I'm a white male. And that's what I'm so often told. When I comment about abortion or some other issue that I can't possibly have the moral authority or, or the experience or whatever to comment on these issues because I'm of the wrong gender or the wrong race or whatever. But this is what they told me. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, one thing that, that they were very, very upset about was that they have, you know, the, the, the march was essentially a pro-choice march um some not all of my female family members are are, are pro-life so, some are not and that's you know fine obviously thinking individuals they can believe whatever they want um they were they were upset though that a march claiming to represent women would be a little hostile to i mean certainly at the national level there were pro-life groups that wanted to participate that were not allowed to um there are there are you know, thousands and thousands of pro-life women in North Dakota. There are millions of pro-life women nationally. You know, for, for, for a march like that not to recognize that women have diverse viewpoints on an issue like abortion is fundamentally divisive. Um, and I, I found that sort of flew in the face of, of, of some of the claims by the organizers that these events were about unity and whatever. I, I'm not sure that that was the case. Certainly, the, the you know, the women that I spoke to didn't feel that way. Um, the other thing, and, and this surprised me, I, one big thing that surprised me, I did not vote for Donald Trump for president. Some of the stuff he said was just so over the top for me. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, I'm feeling better about him now that he's, you know, I, 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 I I've, now that I have started to see his administration start to make some policy, I'm starting to feel better for him. But back on election day, I wasn't there yet. I couldn't vote for him. But I was surprised after Election Day to, to learn how many women in my life did vote for Donald Trump. Um, people that I did not expect to vote for Donald Trump voted for him. I think there were there were millions of women like that across the country uh, who at the very least felt that Donald Trump was the lesser of two evils on the ballot. So they made their calculation. They voted for Trump. Well, the, the women's march was was very much, although, again, sometimes the organizers sort of downplayed this. But if you read the signs, you looked at the people out there. They very much it, – it, it, was, it was an anti-Trump movement in some ways. At very least, it was a response to Donald Trump and some of the things he said and done at, at, in the early days of his administration or back during his campaign. Um, and, and so with, with, with these, what these were telling is, is, again, this is a march that, that that's presenting itself as a representation of women in America that doesn't really account for the millions of, of women who voted for Donald Trump because they're out there they, they actually exist um and the other thing what a few of them told me is, is some of the antics that the protesters got up to the vagina hats and the way some of them dress and some of the signs again you know they sort of felt like you know why do these women who are acting crudely you know represent me um you know and that's i guess that's a question of taste but I, I, I think that these comments, in the main, in, I think they illustrate something that is fundamentally true about identity politics, which is that it's fundamentally divisive. Identity, identity politics are, are based on the idea that people who are of a certain demographic, whether it's like a racial demographic or a gender demographic or maybe a sexual orientation demographic, that those people are a monolithic political entity, right? That because you're gay or female or Hispanic or black or whatever, that you're going to vote a certain way or that you should believe a certain way or that you should see the world a certain way. That is a belief, I think, that is fundamentally offensive. I think it is something that is hugely divisive. And I don't think it has a place in American politics. The only thing that should matter when we're talking about politics or whatever, the only thing that should matter is that you are a free-thinking citizen of a country where you're allowed to say what's on your mind, you're generally allowed to do what you want to do and support the politics that you want to support no matter what other people think. That's the only thing that should really matter. We have got to stop thinking of ourselves as members of 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 this demographic or that demographic. You are you. You are an individual. And you don't have to vote a certain way because some group out there says women have to believe this. And you don't have to vote a certain way because somebody out there says racial minorities have to believe this. You just need to vote your conscience. You just need to be you. That's my big response to... The women's march I, I i detest identity politics i don't care what your skin color is i don't care what your gender is let's have a debate about ideas that's what i want to talk about 701-293-9000 888 9329 email com. we'll wrap up the show right after this So go away Welcome back, Rob Port here on WDAY. Hey, I'm gonna stick around for the first part of the Jay Thomas show. We're gonna talk about some crazy legislation. It would it would make I listen, I'm a I'm a gun rights proponent in in, in a lot of different ways, but this legislation I think would make legal in the name of self defense some things that most of us would probably think of as as murder or manslaughter. Um anyway, we'll talk about that bill coming up on the Jay Thomas show. Got a caller wanna to get to right away, Jody. You're on. What's up?
2: Hi. So I'm calling about that women's march. I'm an educated woman. I'm a stiletto, (laughs) heel-wearing, truck-driving, lots of lipstick, all over my face kind of woman. And I'm gentle and I'm strong. And that march was embarrassing to the rest of us. The very thing, Rob, that these women say they hate about men or about the speak that Donald Trump was heard saying on a recorded device that he didn't know he was being recorded on at that time— is the very thing they dressed up as. And, you know, walking vaginas and uterine walls, showing that all of, across the, the media was just embarrassing to the rest of us. I, it was it embarrassing. Was, it, and if, the, it, if those women would have thought ahead about all of those, those women gathering together with the airfare, the hotels, and all of the, the stuff they bought while they were there, why didn't they think of um, coming together in love, and in protection of life, and, and starting a foundation where women who needed birth control, who they think aren't going to get it anymore, maybe they could have found a way for them to get that instead. But no, instead, yeah. they decided to go and have a slumber party where they wore matching kitty cat hats and, and thought they were so cute on there. And it, it was just an embarrassment. Yeah. Well, that's, us. you know, it's, I, I remember
0: several years ago I was attending a conference, and somebody there, you know, it was, it was about, it was about blogging. I, I know a conference about blogging. I can't imagine a more boring thing in the world, but it was it was pretty interesting. And somebody there, and this was several years ago, um, you know, said that in the future, you know, we're gonna have to put all political messaging on like cat memes, um, because that's that's what people. And so I I, I think protest movements like this. They do that stuff, the outrageous things, the vagina hats and the, the, the uterus uh, you know, whatever's and the signs and all that. They do that stuff because that stuff gets shared on social media, and that is that is the political currency of the day. I, I think that's why they do that stuff. It doesn't necessarily make it right. And and, and you're right. It is ironic to, to, to think that, that so many people who are inspired by some of the crude things that Trump said. And some of the things he said were crude, um, Although I'm, I'm starting to rethink it because I seem to be more offended about it than some of the women in my life. So maybe I should maybe I should stop caring so much about it. I, a lot of the things yeah. Trump said were crude and, and they turned me yeah. off. And, but the thing is, it's, it's, it's ironic to me to be lectured about the dignity of femininity by somebody wearing a vagina on their head.
2: Exactly, exactly uh, it's, my it's, point. And, and the other point is, is we would have, if, if as a group of women, of of caring, intelligent women, I would hope intelligent women, if they would have come together in kindness and in love and, and finding, um, taking an action to doing something great as opposed to simply marching. And by the way, Rob, we don't know how many people in that crowd were truly there for the women's march or to watch women make butts of themselves as yeah. they marched. It oh, was I good. Enter- I point. mean, it was
0: entertaining. It was entertaining. There's it's no really question right. about it. But you, I, I think you're right. And I think that's a rule you could apply to a lot of protest movements. You know, I'm thinking of the pipeline situation. I mean, how many people did they alienate? Did they chase away from their cause who maybe would would have been with them or, or could have been persuaded to be with them? Did they chase away because? They were trying to, like, light – they were, like, lighting construction equipment on fire and attacking cops and perpetuating just just absolutely wild, untrue accusations on social media. That just turns people off. You it know, sure politics – That's
2: the irony of the Women's March as well, Rob. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but there was multiple photos on on different social networking sites showing the destruction and garbage that these, these women yeah. um, left. And I, I made it's, a joke. My husband made a joke, actually. He said, I'm glad you're not at the march. I'm glad you're staying at home ironing like I told you to. <laughs> <laughs> he went, I you hope know, he's sleeping on the couch. Cool,
0: I hope he's sleeping on the couch after that one. Hey, he thanks was, for the call. Indeed. I appreciate it. Uh, listen, I, listen. You, politics is the art of persuasion. And the people who persuade the most number of people to be on their side is a side that wins. And you don't persuade people by being crude, you don't persuade people by being violent, you don't persuade people by being jerks. That's just the truth. Jay Thomas' show coming up next, 701-2, uh, well, uh, you can call it for his show. He'll give you the numbers. Remember, you can catch me 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WDAY or 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at Save Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Bye.